0: Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute, where social justice, human development, and community building come together. This is where you will meet activists, artists, teachers, scholars, helpers, and healers who are bringing creativity, hope, and possibility to individuals and communities all over the world. everyone to this episode of All Power to the Developing. This is your host, Desiree Wanden, Des for short. And firstly, I would like to wish everyone a happy new year. Thank you for all your support in 2023 for the podcast of All Power to the Developing. We loved it and we have a lot more we have in store for you in the year of 2024. Thank you for your continued support. Today is a very special day. I have some great guests. Today, we're going to be diving into a global movement that combines the universal language of football with social change. Founded in 2003, this extraordinary initiative has been using the power of sport to transform the lives of people experiencing homelessness. I have with me co-founder of the Homeless World Cup, Mel Young, and a former player, now a referee, that's awesome, Sarah Frovane. How are you guys doing today? Great. Good, Good to see you. Doing good,
1: thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you for being here with us. Mel and Sarah, I mean, you first came to my attention as a producer for Performing the World, which you were a part of, Performing the World is our flagship flagship festival, our flagship event that we hold. And I was just so remarked by this organization using the game of soccer to just combat this, this major issue we're having of homelessness. So I always had it in my mind, man, I really want to interview these people because this seems very extraordinary. And now we're here today. So let's get with it. Can you kind of share the story of the inception behind the Homeless World Cup and and what initially got you inspired, um, Mel?
2: Well, I, I've been working with homeless people since 1993 with the Big Issue magazine in Scotland, which is a magazine sold by homeless people with them uh, keeping the majority of the of the cover price and then involved in the development of street papers in different countries in the world and an organization had been formed which was really a trade association for street papers for homeless people around the world called the international network of street papers and the the, the street papers some of us managed to meet once a year for for to, to, to exchange ideas and share experiences and at this conference we were having in 2001 myself and a colleague called Harold Schmidt, from he ran a, a paper in Austria in a, a city called Graz. Uh, we were talking after the conference about how good it had been and, and inspiring and we learned so much, but, but there was no homeless people there, only editors or founders and so on. And how could we involve homeless people in the same way we were being inspired? So we talked about all sorts of different ideas over a beer and we really couldn't come up with any any suggestions. And there were all sorts of problems, including the, the problem of language. And we said, aha, there is an international language, which is called football, which I think in the US you guys called soccer. And we we were both passionate football fans. Harold, in fact, had, had played a bit of semi-professional football and we knew its power and and in both of our organizations, so some of the homeless sellers had formed little little soccer teams or football teams who were playing and we we knew it was a very very powerful tool so we said hey look why don't we have a game between i'm from scotland and he was from austria and we were mucking around and shook hands there was going to be a game and i said oh scotland's going to win and he said austria's going to win blah blah blah. and then we said look why, why don't we just invite lots of other countries to come and we'll call it the World cup so we were having great fun you know in the creative sense in the next day we met in the hotel at breakfast and we said hey look this is a great conversation and, but sometimes these type of conversations, they just kind of stay in the bar or stay in the room and nothing ever happens. Will, will we make it happen? And so we said, Hey, yeah, let's do that. You know, We, we think the, the idea is so good. Let's make it happen. And so in, we had the first event in 2003, which kind of took a lot of organizing and it was, it was really an outstanding success. And by that success, we mean that our aim is to get homeless people's lives changed and away from being homeless. And, you know, the results we had in that, a very high percentage of people getting off the streets as a result. And a lot of people coming to watch. So it was a big success in that regard, as far as we were concerned. And so therefore, we just have kept doing more. Now, obviously, behind all that, there's a huge, huge, long, long story. But, but, but in a nutshell, that's what's happened. And then, of course, since then, we, we, we've kept, kept building it. And now we estimate over 1.2 million people in the 70 odd countries where we have partners working on the ground have changed their lives as a result of just being involved in, 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 this soccer event. And so it's very impactful. And because of that, we just keep, we keep on doing what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to rewind a bit um, Mel, because before you even got into the, the Homeless World Cup, you said that you were working with a publication that was dealing with, with the homeless. Mm. What is it about yourself that, has this initiative to deal with the homeless? Like, what is it in your personal history, your personal life that you developed this need or want to want to work with this population?
2: I, I mean, I'm not be- being homeless myself, luckily, but but I've always been very passionate about what I would call social justice, and you know, I I don't think anybody in the world should be homeless. I just think how on earth have we created a system? So my background is working as, as a journalist, and I I saw a magazine which started in London when I was visiting there doing a story or something, and I thought, you know, what, what I can do is, is use some of my journalist skills to create a magazine similar in Scotland, and that would be a contribution. And I kind of firmly believe that if everybody makes small contributions, then you, that's how you create change. It doesn't have to be big things, but kind of small things. So uh, myself and a, and a friend, we 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 started the, the, the magazine, and it, it, it took off. It was successful, and so we, we 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 kept doing it, and then learned a great deal and grew a, a, a great deal. So it, it it came from my kind of burning passion about there shouldn't be inequalities and exclusion in the world. And then using a the skill to, to develop it and then of course the whole thing's growing over that so so that's where it's where, where it's come from and you know in, in in that journey i've learned a great deal i mean i'm a great believer in in you can learn from anybody so you learn from a professor of course somebody who's very clever you sit and listen to them but also you can learn from homeless people as well and who we have insights and stories to tell that are important that people listen to and within within their voices you can find solutions and one of those that big learnings for me was about you know how to try to create family through what you're doing and that's what we did with the magazine and what we continue to do with the f- football and that's one of the one of many key uh, facets about what what we're about so that's that's really where i'm coming from and i'm still as passionate about this issue now as i was then but probably even more determined because the you know, I look at the system in the world that's creating homelessness and the more crazy this is, we don't have to have it. Uh-huh. It's, it's a system failure, yes. basically, uh-huh. and we we can fix it if we want to. Yeah, we're going to get deeper into that because that's actually
0: something I want to I wanna get into because it seems like no matter how many buildings are built, no matter how many, you know, new complexes, new condos, new apartments, affordable housing, estates, as they say in the UK, that it still seems that people can't find a place to live, and it gets, and it seems it's getting more terrible. I want to uh, shift over to you, Sarah, a little bit. Unfortunately, what? you dealt with homelessness. Could you mm. share with us a little of the circumstance you dealt with, and and maybe how that led you into initially discovering
1: the homeless World Cup? Mine was luckily enough only a temporary form of homelessness. My form of homelessness was just surface often because we were trying to buy a property and it kind of flopped to where the homeowner wouldn't move out of their house. So then we've already left our old property. So then i was left then with my one-year-old daughter, me and my partner with no housing. We had nowhere to go at the time. So we ended up putting everything that we owned into my mother-in-law's house. And we were literally just there on the sofa for months waiting for property. So the mental health kicked in. Stress, I had no job at the time. It just built up from there and there. And then it got to the point where my mental health decreased so badly. I got taken into a hospital near me for mental health issues that they then also helped me find resources up in a little little place up near the house I was going to move into where they sort of had resources and lucky enough one of the workers who were helping out there knew of a football team, Street Football Wales, and they provided us with information and they were like oh, do you know you could play for a four side and it would help your mental health? Because I'm not very one for the, not, not the, the group activities to kind of do it's not, it wasn't for me, it wasn't helping my side of mental health, it was the more physical doing things getting outside helped me bet then they found that resource so much easier so I signed straight up to Street Football Wales and they were like ah so you've had homelessness recently and I was like yeah and they're like oh have you ever thought about trying out for our homeless Cup?" and I was like at that point I was like I've never never heard of it it's not wasn't heard of I've never been in that situation to known of the organization they were like how about you come and try out? And then within three months, tried out. And then I found out I was going to Oslo in 2017. And it was like, I went from like rock bottom to like a superstar within like three months. It's like your face was everywhere. There was advertisement going on. You were doing like charity organizations to try to raise funds to go away. It just makes so much of a difference where where they need to sort of understand it. where some people work differently, where the football or soccer helps people come out of the shell much better than it would be productive more than other people going into meetings or therapy. I find from in my case that is a form of therapy, doing football. And it just helped so much. But it's the understanding I find as well for the homeless side of it is people understanding the different forms of homelessness. It's like I was I was very, very lucky in my circumstance not to be put on the streets. I was lucky I had the family, the resources, but not everyone seems to have that. And hearing everyone's stories then when within Street Football Wales was amazing. Like they've come from nothing, they had nothing. To where when they came to training, they would get like nil booster points. If they come to training every week, they could get free togs, free gloves, and it's like a it was a nice boost for them. So I would say in the long run, the Homeless World Cup has meant everything for me. It's like in the I've got a job again. I've got finally, obviously got my home now. And I'm just more productive in the mental health side. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, no you said something. You said uh, it It raises awareness for the different types of homeless. Here mm-hmm. in New York City, we're having, you know, a bit of a homeless problem amongst many states in the United States. And I think people have this this idea that a homeless person is a person with their clothes shredded and on the floor yeah. with a cup, and this is the definitive image of of what a homeless person is. But you just spoke of of yourself going through a situation that led you to homelessness. There's of course people with transitional housing. There's of course mil, uh, military vets. There's everything in between. Could you give us a little bit more, a little bit more there in the different forms, and also Mel, you could you could um add on to this just the different how the different faces of homelessness, how it looks, you know, how it, how it is for different people.
1: Yeah, it, it's again obviously in my circumstances classes, what we call the sofa surfing, where you haven't got your to you set home, your comfort area. It's you having to provide an others to support you. You haven't got your own place to support yourself. And then I've got others where you like have obviously on the streets. That could be due of eviction, lack of money, loss of job, mental health. And you've got other people then who have physically having to run away to go on the streets. They prefer to be on the streets than be at home. It's understanding like they're not on the streets because they want to be on the streets. They're not going to hostels. They're not going to hotels for the, the joy of it. It's, like, it's understanding that they're there because they're obviously trying to get away for something. It's like what you said about the veterans. Some of them feel more comfortable being out and about than they do being stuck at certain properties because they don't want to be shut down, locked down. They don't want to be restricted because it doesn't feel like it's theirs. And I find that's very hard for people to understand that you can be given something, you can be given a bed, but if it's not theirs, they don't feel comfortable taking it. Yeah. It's not there. They don't feel like they've earned it. Maybe it's, it's very hard for people to understand that side of things. It's not all about them being on substance use. It's not about them having like alcoholism. It's it could just be the general being scared to be elsewhere. That and like like I said before about the the groups. They form their own families on the streets. They want to stick in with that group because they know what they got from them. And they don't want to change that because they know what support group they have around them. And I find that some people, if they try and move out from that circumstance, maybe class has been reject. You're thrown us away. Why are you tra- like traitor? It's like, no. It's very hard, I think, for some people who have been on the street for years to move back into society as, well, as class as society, at least. Mm-hmm. They're so used to that is their life. Some people are so used to it they don't want some people don't want to go into accommodation. They that is their lives, that is their home, being there. So in that way, I can't think at the moment of different housing circumstances, but the main one is definitely those where I speak, speak spoken of.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, Mel, anything to add to that or
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 very interesting what Sarah's saying. I mean, what I sometimes describe there's a difference between houselessness and homelessness, and you, you mentioned earlier about the issues around you know there's building going on of of, of of houses at the beginning of this interview, and and it's true that the one cause of homelessness is the lack of physical property, but actually the the issues about homelessness if you if you ask a child to talk about what's home, they they'll talk about kind of you know the family running around, mother, the smell of soup in the kitchen, the fire muck, mucking around with your annoying brothers and sisters or whatever. You, and, and they won't talk about the, the, the door or, 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 or the windows. And you know, so, so much of what we talk about then when we think about homelessness, we start talking about houselessness. Now, although that's in the mix there in terms of solutions, what Sarah's describing there is that you, you can have four walls, but actually they're very, very unpleasant because of whatever's happening there. And what you need is actually environments where people feel safe in terms of where they, they, they live. Now in in part what we're doing with with the soccer is creating self-safe environments where people feel they can come, be with other people and, and feel safe, and then help hopefully move into safe, safe accommodation. The second thing I probably want to say just out of this, because I've got it I've developed a kind of global understanding is homelessness manifests itself in different ways in, in different parts of the world and that that can be dependent on all sorts of factors including the weather for example and, it, and you know poli- p- what political parties in power the attitude of the police the attitude of the public the attitude etc etc all of these things that are, are, are different in different countries in different parts of the world and you know for the homeless world cup we we accept the definition per country, so it's, we can't get an international definition of this because it's, it's it's too difficult. So, for example, in in England, you know, you you can be in a homeless hostel, and according to charity definition and government definition, you're homeless. But in some African countries, they say any if you have any shelter over your head, you're not homeless. So you've got to be outside. So we we accept any any different definition going in. As I say, there's different. It's different, it manifests itself differently. But the one common factor I always find, regardless of what that difference is, if you look at a person who's homeless and into their eyes, it's the same thing, universally, globally, it's one of exclusion and not being part. And that is the psychological part of this that I think is so important when we do the football, making people f- feel part and and, and, and and changing that look in their eyes. So that whilst there's all these differences in the world, there's a commonality, absolutely standard, which is one of, of, of people just totally excluded from society.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you both of you for breaking that down, because I think it's a it's a major prevalent issue that uh, has one face and or, or is viewed in a particular way. And the more we learn about the different incarnations of it, I think the more people are going to be enlightened and really start to tackle this global issue. So thank you. I want to speak a little bit more about now the sp- sporting aspect. I mean, Sarah, what you just spoke of earlier. I mean, you, you, you. I even saw like this kind of really big smile on your face and this twinkle in your eye when you just dis- just described the environment that you were a part of, being a part of the homeless World Cup. And then Mel, when I when you know we watched the video during performing the world. That video was just amazing and everyone was having a good time and the pitches just looked really great. One thing about sports, sports, while entertaining, while challenging us physically, could also bring the ugly side out in humanity, right? We know about racism in football. There's a winner, there's a loser, there's a lot of capitalism involved in it. And while at times it could feel inclusive to everyone, it could be ex- exclusive too. So how, how did you build this, this very inclusive environment and what were some of the, was it your, did you have particular ideas? Were there particular things that you felt with your partners that needed to be a part of this in order for it to be more of a, uh, a positive thing? Like speak a little bit about that Mel, how, how do you balance and how does the homeless world cup balance the intensity of sports with the humanistic aspect of what you're doing
2: yeah, so so that's a good question and, and one we spent a lot of time thinking about before we started this and 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 have developed it as, as we go on. but fundamentally first of all it's it's inclusive so it's an inclusive game and w- we created the game so that any, anybody can play any standard. so it, it doesn't matter. you can be terrible at it and, and but but be part of the team or you can be very very good at it and we have across our different teams, People have different standards. So we could create an event where very quickly the, the 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 good teams are in a week in a week-long event that they're playing against each other and the not so good teams are playing against each other. And so everybody's finding their own level, if you like, and are able to participate. We we wanted to have the competitive element in there because that's kind of normal. Otherwise you just kind of get be very patronizing. It's like, oh, you're homeless, so you can't play in a competitive game, whereas sports are competitive, so it's competitive. The teams want to win. That's 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 quite normal, and you know we create a way in which by the end of the week, the the the, the two best teams are playing against each other for a position, and and the 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 two not so good, so good teams are playing against for a position of each other. So you end up with a position between one and forty eight, but everybody gets the same medal if you like. So it's competitive, but it's inclusive. So that that that's that's very very important to us. That that structure of the event. Then, secondly, we we create an atmosphere which is one of fair play, so that the managers and so on are instructing everybody to play in, in in a way which is fair. And what's very interesting for us is the players are competitive when they want to win the game, and they don't like to lose, of course. But a minute or so or less after they've lost, they they are hugging the other players that have won. And there's something about where the players have come from, the fact they've all come from homelessness, that, that actually brings them together as as one one group, one family, if you like. They maybe can't speak the same language, they definitely can't speak the same language, but they kind of understand each other automatically. And so an atmosphere is cr- c- created whereby it, we're going to win, but we're going to win in, in in a proper way. And then crucially for us, and this is where maybe Sarah could talk about, bit, you know, we, we have referees and it's a contact sport, so you need referees. And these referees are very important for us. And they volunteer and, uh, from all over the world and come every year. But, but, but referee it in, in, in a way which isn't harsh. They are supportive of the players. They understand what's going on. And, and so, oh, oh, so you need order in anything and you've got the order. But you've got it done in a way which is inclusive, so that we, we we invent something which has values in it and which is played in a particular way, and which creates everyone to sing and dance together in the end. And that's what sport should be all about, in my view. It's 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 very very powerful. It's a really powerful tool to 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 to, to create change, and we we create a way in which everybody's contributing. So I'm always saying, I you might think referees are not relevant, but referees are really important to us. Because they are actually en- encompassing the attitude and values of of, of our sport and, and, and then we, we have success, and i I tell you, I'm always saying to, to the professional side, you should come and watch this because this is how how sports should be played. We hardly get any ever red card any red cards and be, the red cards will be given if the players are, do something, but we hardly get, ever get any because it's not played in that way. Wow. I mean, I feel like
0: putting on a pair of boots right now, lacing them up and getting on the pitch. But we're going to take a short commercial break. And when we're back, we're going to learn some more about the Homeless World Cup. We're going to get on that pitch with Sarah, find out how it is being a former player and now a referee. And we're going to learn a little bit more about the Homeless World Cup. This is All Power to Developing. And we'll be right back after this short commercial break.
1: Hi, I'm Melissa Meyer, Associate Director of the Eastside Institute. Welcome to All Power to the Developing. I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. In each episode, we introduce you to some amazing performance activists, play revolutionaries, and developmentalists from around the world who talk to us about their creative grassroots efforts to build a better world. If you like what you hear, please follow and share the series. You can find us on Amazon, Spotify, and Podbean. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas. Like everything at the Institute, the growth of All Power to the Developing depends upon the people who create it and benefit from it. We hope you're one of them. Thanks for your support, and now back to our conversation.
0: All Power to the Developing, we are back. We are back with. Mel Young and Sarah Frovane, the Homeless World Cup. Mel, he was just kind of breaking down the the spirit of the game and how he's able to balance the intensity of sports and the intensity that comes with all of it with the humanistic approach to what they're doing for the Homeless World Cup. Sarah has a former player, I was a former player too. How long, how long was your career?
1: Uh one year. <laughs> one year. Oh, man. I'm joking. A debut no, no. and <laughs> a I, I was playing for years before that, but more 11 aside. So nice. about from the age of maybe 10 till about 20 nice. and then stopped. Stop. Had my daughter and then stopped Then street football then.
0: Yeah. How was it for you as a player? First of all, to for uh, you spoke a little bit earlier about you being involved in and you being involved in and how just being a part of this whole process was able to kind of lift you out of where you were. Can you speak a little bit deeper about that and maybe what you saw from other players, other people that you met? And then what led you into transitioning? I mean, obviously the body breaks down, but what led you into going into a a referee and speak about that? You know, you're now on the pitch with the players. You have a different vantage point. You're able to see the game in a different way. Uh, you have the responsibility and the upkeep of making sure the game is played fairly and the rules are are being engaged in the proper way. So speak a little bit about that experience. It's more than just being on the field. It's a, it's a pretty major role.
1: Yeah, it was the at the beginning I started in 2017. There was a well, hopefully a selection to be taken to Oslo in 2017. The tryouts were so intense because you only get to do the homeless cup once as a player. So it was very this is my moment. If I don't do it now, never do it again. It's like you keep trying out every year, but once you've you've had your chance that you've got to take it all in as much as you can. You literally just take the whole experience and you're doing the tryouts and thinking, oh my god, these people have got maybe a better chance than me panicking about things, but yet they're all in the same circumstances you are. It's like they all want to fight. And it gives you that like that like oomph in in it all because you want to focus. You want to succeed in this. It gives you that like motivation to want to do more instead of just being in your slump that you were in. So you go for all the tryouts. You waited a few weeks to see who gets to select. And the next minute I have a phone call and I'm like thinking, oh God, he's, this is when he tells me, no, you haven't got through. And he's like, you're going to slow. And I was like, oh my God. It just went to like shock. And I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. And then you have to go to training every week and it just got you into a, back into like a normal structure just being back in training it gets you back into a pattern got mental health better eating habits just being there and the the team you get to know so much about them you get to know their history what they've been through and it was just amazing learning about what others have been through and how comfortable people felt being in that small group Just being within a team, you think you would never must be spoke to these people outside of football. Then within that team, you are so connected from learning everything about everyone. Everyone just clicks instantly. Once we got over to Oslo, it was such a wild experience. The parade in itself. You lose your voice. It's gone. You sing, you chant, you hear the other people singing, they chant. You're like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And you just get this adrenaline rush. It's the most amazing experience we have ever done. That first day just blows your mind. You're praying for the town. You're waving your country's flag, being like, "Yeah, this is us. We're going to win it this year." And obviously, everyone else is saying the exact same thing. They're all doing their own little chants, and just having people on the streets wave and clap you, seeing you as who you are, and you're just like, "Yeah, that's yeah. I'm here. I'm here to fight for this cup. This is why I'm here," and it gives you that back, of that pride. You become like a, not a person again, but you become yourself again, just walking within that. You got your pride back. And then when you get step onto that pitch for your first national anthem, people are crying, singing their anthem. It's like the emotions go insane and everyone's doing their speeches beforehand and you're just sobbing thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm here. I've made it. And then when you, like you said about the playing on the captain and maybe they're, the red cards or blue cards come out. You don't see it happen. It's very rare you get the blue cards in' because the reds don't don't come in that often because people want to stay on the pitch because you want to play every minute you can. You want to get all the game time because you know if you get that red card, you're done for the whole tournament. If you could be done for that whole day of playing, and you're like, I'm not wasting my time being sat on the pitch side. I'm here to play for my country. And it it gives that different aspect to the game. So you're not quarreling, you're not fighting with other players. There's more passion in the game, so you are more excited to play than just as like not like professional footballer to get p- paid a lot for it. So mm-hmm. it's a bit more it all. also when it comes to you playing for your country, where improve yourself. You want to be on that pitch. And then when it came to end of the tournaments we got down to i think it was the last cup i think we got down to i think it was the shield shield cup i think it was standing on that stage receiving that cup jumping around the stages we were all going berserk thinking yeah we've done it we've got our photos we had michael sheen there supporting us at the time and he was also jumping on the stage, being really excited. And we were like, oh my God, it's a celebrity on stage with us, getting really, really excited. And you, you think afterwards, it's like when you go home, you have the parties afterwards, you have the reunions. You think then, that's it. I've had my moment. I'm done. Nothing else is going to happen now. But it doesn't just stop there. You can become a volunteer. You can become a referee. You can become even help out coaching. There's not a stop to after you've done football. You've got that extra steps you can take. There's no end to it. And that's what I find amazing. And that's when I got my, uh, my continuing end to the story was me being offered a training course for the referees. And I was like, I don't want to be a referee. Okay. I don't like them. I've always disliked referees and playing the game. It's not, it's not for me. And they were like, go on, give it a try. And I was like, fine. I'll, I'll give her a go. No, I just like him so much. Went to the training, I think. He was in Cardiff. And I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. I think it was, like you said, you see the aspect of the game from a different side. And it was more challenging than what you expect it to be. Because I think I'd done my first, I think my first refereeing in the Car- Cardiff Homeless World Cup in 2019. And the first time I stood in that picture at a ref, I was like, "Damn, my whistle shaking. going to blow the whistle thinking, oh God, I can't make any mistakes. This is live on YouTube. Can't make a mistake. And it just flew by, like a blink of an eye. And it was finished. I was like, oh my God, I did it. That's amazing. But the funniest part was, before it all started in Cardiff, my face was put on all the posters throughout Cardiff. And I was like, oh no. That's me and all my family and friends were posting it. It was, it was crazy. And I was just like, oh my God, it's like I'm, I'm kind of mini famous now yeah. <laughs> in my hometown. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, this is you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. It it gives you that ex- excitement. But when it came to the referee side, like it was more challenging in a different way where you obviously want, weren't out to win a cup. You were there to control the game, but also make it fun. But becoming into a new family with the referees was amazing because it's like you said it's a whole different game. And they you would think, cause the some of these people who are referees, not all of them have come as a former player. And you think, oh, they're not gonna accept me. I'm as a former player just coming into this hoping for the best. And but it's not like that. They're so accepting. They just brought me in, taught me everything. And it's like a second family now. We're talking all the time on WhatsApp. It's really, really good. But when it came to the games, I would say, like you said about the the cards, you're trying not to give them. And obviously with the different language barriers, you're trying to control the game mostly with like body language. Mm -hmm. And you find it does get across quite easily just by like certain looks. And everyone knows like all the hand signals for certain kicks, penalties. It's of like like I said, it, it translates to every any language. Yeah. It's so easily done, and I think that's. A, I think that's quite amazing. amazing.
0: I think that's the quite amazing part of it is in this international diversity, you're able mm. to just still play this game and and get get your message across as a referee to yep. everyone despite what nation or what country they're coming from. I just think it's so amazing that and then you coming from the player to the referee, seeing that getting a different set of tools, getting a different set of responsibilities and it helping you in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I could that makes me think of just all the other roles people have from coordinators to people that help on the pitch to people like just all the different roles that are offered to people and the ways that it could help people and people can switch roles and do this, this time and that next time mm. Mel, I want to, I want to go over to you a little bit, 70 countries. I mean, uh, from a conversation mm. with a friend in a bar to 70 countries, mm that has to be challenging. How, what is, how how do you get these countries involved? Do you send invites out? Are there people working in these countries that are aware of the homeless population and send them to you? What is the, what is the way in which you're able to organize 70 plus countries to be a part of these tournaments?
2: Yeah, well, well, I mean, the first thing to say is way beyond our wildest dreams. And when we were coming up with this idea, we, we have pretty wild dreams. So this is way beyond even that. So you know being involved in 70 countries or 70 countries part of our network is 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 pretty amazing and the world although it's a small place is actually a very big place so in terms of organizing the event it's 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 challenging but the way we're structured is that we have one 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 partner per country so in wales for example you know the street soccer wales and and that that partner organizes the the day-to-day work that's working with homeless people when they first come to the the, the programs and then you know selecting the teams and get the teams to come to our event so we have 70 of those so it's not like we are from about we are a very small team that in some sense is very deliberately centrally it's it's really part of a whole network that, that's operating globally and then we're responsible then for the, the the annual event which which is is challenging i mean getting Former homeless people or homeless people across borders is not easy. It's the biggest challenge. Sometimes it doesn't work because they become even more stricter in terms of uh, some of the travel, and and so that's the, that's a really big challenge. For that, but we 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 always get there. Necessarily, always get every team there, and and that's a seriously big challenge. But I, I it's it's interesting when you speak with governments where, where cities are hosting it. They actually get what we're about, and they they actually want to be really, really helpful. Uh, unfortunately, you come across administration and bureaucracy and basically stupidness, really, that, that that sometimes stops this. But generally, in principle, countries get it because they understand actually this is really positive and impactful and constructive, so they want to be connected with it. So we have we have those challenges. And so everything is a, every year is a mountain. Yeah, the way I would describe it, we've got to get up the up the mountain, and then it's really hard work. It's really difficult. We've got a fantastic team of people, a lot of volunteers around the world doing stuff, all working to the same aim. And it w- wouldn't work without them, to be quite honest. And it wouldn't work out with the players as well, who are really, put, put, you know, doing a lot in terms of their training and, and their their dedication. Then we get to the top of the mountain, the summit, which is always beautiful. I will say cut. Say to people, come and watch an event. You'll be inspired. I promise you, you will. It's the way the world should be. But then, of course, we go back down to the other side of the mountain. We've got to go up another mountain. So that, that's the way. That's the way we are, and we are we, we're geared up for that. More recently, COVID was horrible for us. I mean, obviously, it was horrible for everybody, but for our organisation, it was bad because we had to cancel the events three years running because obviously we, we couldn't get players moving, etc. And it was difficult the organization because then we kind of lost sponsors and so on and so forth, as you might imagine. So it is difficult. Well we're back on we're back on the road again now and and, and cities are keen to to host in the future. We we hope to get more countries involved. We've got some different projects going. And all the time we're looking at, at you know practical ways forward. So, you know, the referees is is one example because it started off with one. Referee wanted to volunteer, you know, he was a professional referee to come to the an event and then other referees joined in. And then we started the the program to to train up former players as referees, which, which serious come. So it's a solution in itself because it's interesting, there's not enough referees in the world. And so we're going, hey, we can train up referees and there's, there's jobs for people potentially in different countries. And as you were saying, I think correctly, the the, the power of the football is the one language you see. The referees can have a sign or or do whatever, and everybody understands it. And it's a very simple game. You kick the ball and then you try and get in the goal. Okay. If you get more than the other side, then you win the game. That's all. It's really simple, but having the the, the referees has been something that's worked. But then, you know, a lot of our, our partners in the 70 countries now are run by former players actually, and. They get a huge respect from people of wellness and their their coaching certificates, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're trying to do is, you know, everything builds on itself. It feeds off itself. And we tell the stories and former players like like Sarah tell a story that inspire others, that that bring other people to the table. So we, we try and create a momentum and a, 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 and a movement which is about change and positive change uh, through football.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that.
2: You've, this is like
0: you said, it's beyond your wildest dreams. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't even my dream, and it's beyond my wildest dream. <laughs> um, cause this is just such an amazing, I'll be about looking at the webpage right now. It's just such an amazing organization you have here, Mel, and the volunteers and everyone that works with you. What advice or what words of insight could you give to someone similarly who has an idea? or has something that they're concerned about, whether it's the environment, whether it's issues of 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 rights for women, issues of rights for the homeless, issues of rights for animals, anything that people feel truly passionate about to turn into a movement in this way, what words of insight and what words of inspiration would you have for them? And also to you, Sarah, you went through the hardship of of that many people go through and, but many people don't go through. And you are able to use the Homeless World Cup and the tools of the Homeless World Cup to lift yourself out of this. So what advice would you have to anyone who is enduring hardship in this moment? Maybe Mel,
2: you could start first. Sure. I I mean, I think my, my message is actually quite simple to people. We all need to do something. So therefore do something and but but you know we don't have to make it kind of hugely grand so don't get put off tiny things tiny steps that you can do that are constructive be they about volunteering or setting up a social enterprise and some of us are more uh, enterprising than than others it's just part of our dna then do it and don't be frightened to do it because it's important what you do and even if this is a tiny thing It can make a big difference so just go ahead and do it don't be inhibited go for it do it and there are other people around there's networks now of social entrepreneurs that will provide you with advice mentoring support out there you know we have a you know again i use this word a lot kind of family around the world to kind of you know people have the same dna but the one thing i would advise kids don't 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 say hey i'm gonna have to change the world so you know i'm gonna take on All these huge responsibilities. You don't have to do that at the beginning. It's just small things. So if you think about our journey, we started off with just a ball and it was going to be like like two teams. And we never knew about we were going to be this size. And we never knew that referees were going to be such an important part and the potential. It just grows organically. And your your passion for whatever it is you're doing, starting small, will connect with other people for sure. And 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 therefore it starts growing. And Concentrate not on the growth but on the impact. So, I my advice to anybody is just 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 do small things, but do something. Don't. The world is is I think getting itself into a very very difficult place, and a lot of people are just excluded in the climate issue. So we we need to do something, and so we need creative ideas. We need people who can make things happen, and if we all connect together, then then that's how you go the change. So that would be my my of wisdom, if you like.
0: (laughs) Love it, love it. Step by step, block by block, build. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly. Uh, I would say mine would be any idea or dreams are not limited. It's just taking the time and the patience to get to where you needed to get. Don't rush it. Not everything happens in a day. It can take time and it's needing them resources go out there and get what you need to get where you want to get to because it can happen there's no no's like nothing is unreachable it's like in my circumstances i thought i would never get a job where i am now event coordinator now all of my cv i writ was like scenarios were all related to street football or homeless Cup referee, refereeing how do you handle a bad situation referee solution this solution It. Any little experience can help you get to where you need to get to. It's all just takes a little bit of time and patience, but in as long as you've got the resources there, you get the help that you need, it's there. You just need to grab it when you can. That's the best one I can give.
0: There you go. Yeah, that was that I felt that one myself. That was like advice to me right there. Thank you. Um, thank you both of you for being on this podcast all power to the developing which i just said we named this pow- this podcast all power to the developing cuz we really wanted to give light to all the people around the world who give power to people who are developing when you hear that phrase all power to the developing what is something that comes to your mind
1: mm. more power to the people i would say give yourself your own power not not having to go by else's choices be unique.
2: Yeah, I mean I th- I think I would share Sarah's view. I think it's it's about us individually and collectively taking taking action, which is positive. Not, you know, I I I'm, we, 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 there's a lot to moan about, okay? There's a lot wrong. So we could go on about it, but we go on and on about it. Okay, but let, let let's do some things then that are are positive. So all all power means collective action working together. Identifying that we have similar values, which are about simple things like ever, ever, ever fairness, community, neighbor, neighborhood, et cetera, just being human beings to one another. The simple things that we want and we can join together. And that then cre- creates the power for, for people who are developing things.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, you heard it there. This was a great episode of All Power to the Developing. If people would like to learn more about the Homeless World Cup, Mel, where could people go to learn more about the Homeless World Cup and probably learn more about you?
2: Yeah, I I think simply go to our website, which is homelessworldcup.org, so alloneworld.org. And, I mean, in in there you can find out all about us. Our our event this year in 2024 is going to be in Seoul in South Korea. There's a Netflix movie coming out towards the end of uh, March. All sorts of things going on, and I would just say to people, if you want, you, you can join in. We're always looking for volunteers. Our street soccer partners in the seventy odd countries are looking for volunteers, sponsors, supporters. You know, again, just back to the the, the the title of this talk: it's about joining and let's kind of work together and and you know, power to the developing and change the world accordingly. But our uber aim, if you like, is is not it is not to exist because there shouldn't be any homelessness in the world. Okay, so. Let, 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 and people sometimes say, look, Mel, you've just been really naive. Um, but I, I maybe, maybe, but um, I just don't think we should have a world where there's any homelessness. And so, but by people joining in, and as I want to re- repeat, by doing small things together, we can actually change things. And if we want to, we put people, people on the moon, you know, we, could, we, we we created the internet, blah, blah, blah. All these things, which are amazing. As human beings, we can end homelessness if we want to.
0: Yes, yes. And that's a very powerful last sentiment from Mel right there. We have a lot of work to do to end this massive global problem of homelessness. And it starts with you, one person at a time. Thank you for listening to All Power to the Developing. I'm your host, Desiree Wanden. All Power To Developing is available on most and all digital streaming platforms. Also, you can write to us at podcast at eastsideinstitute.org to let us know which episode you like and what you liked about the episode. We would love to read your response at the end of the episode. So please write to us. Please like, comment, and subscribe and let us know what you love about the podcast. And we have a lot more in store for you in the year of 2024. Thank you again, Mel. And thank you again, Sarah. And once again, this has been All Power to the Developing. Thank you. All Power to the Developing was made possible in part by Growing Social Therapeutics, the Baylor Wolf Fund.